0: welcome to threads of healing conversations with the wayward and the wise this is your host dr ila manga coming to you from johannesburg south africa threads of healing is the space for exploring what healing could mean by having deep conversations with wisdom keepers doctors artists, storytellers, fact-finders, and visionaries, we bring awareness to the voices who have answered their call to heal and to discover a new way of living, breathing, and being in the world, and will inspire you to do the same. Today, our guest is a force of a woman who embodies everything that is powerful and beautiful about Africa, mystery strength, soul, passion, an alchemist, a writer, a healer, a best-selling author, mother. She is the founder of the Goddess Academy, a space that has been supporting and inspiring women to create lives filled with pleasure, passion, and purpose. Mango, Welcome.
1: Thank you, I want to meet myself after that
0: <laughs> intro. <introduction>. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she how's so cool. Yeah, sometimes it takes somebody else to reflect who you are. So you've just released a book, or about to release a book Yes.
1: un
0: Yourself, and The World. I oh, love we get it. to say that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, we do. <laughs> it's going to be on the shelf soon. That is such a fabulous title.
1: Thank you. So it was a really hard book to write, I must say. What was hard? So, um... I've written two books so far and the other two books I wrote about things I have already figured out. Mm -hmm. And this book was about things I'm in the midst of, you know, and um, the struggle wasn't actually in exposing myself as somebody who hasn't figured it all out. I'm quite happy to own my ignorance where I'm ignorant and where I don't know things It was about showing myself to the world. So, I mean, that's how we we know each other through breath. Um, I use breath to heal myself. I use the sun to heal myself. I use plant medicines to heal myself. I use prayer. I use rituals. And in talking about those kinds of things, I realized that there was a, still a part of me that wanted to be seen as normal. And I couldn't talk about all the things I used to heal myself without exposing how far off <laughs> the wayward, how wayward I am. <laughs> and, and and I didn't realize until I started writing about it that there's a safety in the tribe, mm-hmm. right? We all have these tribes and and there's a certain safety in the tribe that goes with conforming to what you're supposed to believe, what you're supposed to think, how you're supposed to be in the world. And exposing myself as being so far off from what is acceptable, what's normal, what's not weird, what's not ignorant, what's not a conspiracy, what's not superstition mm. made me feel very vulnerable. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And and every second day, I'd come up with a new excuse why I wanted to quit it, mm. because I felt like um, I'm going to be exposed, a failure—not a failure, but a failed, a failed project. Because I have a clear sense of what the world wants us to be, and you get a lot of rewards for towing the line mm. for being. It's like if you you collect a couple of kittens and then you you house train them, or puppies, right? And you understand that the fact that you don't pee in the house is why they keep you in the house, you know? That's what society is like to right. a large extent. And as soon as you say to people, actually, when they're not around, I pee in the house. <laughs> I don't yes. I don't actually <laughs> conform to the rules of the house. So that exposure, yes. that that I'm good at acting, like I'm doing it the way I'm supposed to, I'm good at acting like I've been tamed, that I've been domesticated, but actually I'm not be that. That was where the fear was.
0: And yet, everything about you is the opposite of that. And it's just so interesting that that lingering fear is still within us. Yes. And I so relate to what you're saying. Because, you know, a long time ago, as you know, about 15 years ago, I moved out of the crowd to practice medicine in a different way. Mm. And, you know, I felt or had the perception that I was being judged by my peers or the rest of the medical Mm. community. And I I was kind of okay with that. But last week, I had the experience of doing a webinar Mm. about breathing for my peers, for medical doctors. Mm. And I got myself into such a state. And I I realized that I still had this lingering fear of being judged by my tribe that I initially moved away from. Mm. And now, just needing the sense of belonging again.
1: Yes. So when I was writing the book, I was doing quite a lot of research on. It was validation, I suppose, partly for myself and partly for other people. So the book is about my experiences, but then I also wanted to say, intelligent doctors also agree, you know, and people yes. with PhDs and lots of letters so behind their name. Yes, yeah. yes, and and then I came across um, some research about a response to rejection. That that your mind registers rejection as actual pain. Mm-hmm. And the reason being that it's a tribal thing. So when you're young, say around up to six, seven, eight, I don't know, you you literally need your tribe to survive. Like if I leave the house and live a six month old, within a day or two they're going to expire, right? And so there's a part of us when we're small where we need to conform to the rules of the tribe for a literal survival. And at some point you grow up and you don't necessarily need your tribe to survive in the staying alive sense. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of us that always feels like when I'm rejected, I am going to die. Yes. You know, and, and that's that. And it's, it's not really, I found that with myself because I was quite shocked, you know, I'm not the most normal person out, you know, sometimes I've got pink hair, purple hair. I do I do a lot of weird stuff. And it confused me, like, why am I so afraid to fly my freak flag, for want of a better word? And, and then when I read that, I understood that, that there is this thing where I'm, I'm hanging on to life in my head in, in the sense of there's that part of me that says that if you are excommunicated, you're not going to survive and it and and then i went down this road where i thought a lot about death and life and what it means so 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 it was quite an initiation the writing of the book wow. sort of there was a dying and a and a rebirth of some sort where i look at death and life differently yeah
0: i think that's so profound because in some way each of us are going there yeah. for ourselves and you know being invited to really confront this you know, the ultimate fears. Mm, mm. You know, and, and I think that, you know, and I think you spoke about this in, in one of the articles you wrote about good, bad, and somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. And this is the way that the human brain is wired, to think in binary terms. Yes. So I'm either wayward mm-hmm. or I'm wise. Yes. But I can be both. Mm. You know, I can be wild. I can be... A confrontational, but I can be really soft and compassionate and understanding mm. and everything in between. But it's difficult, I think, for us to um, accept this, this grayness in between the binaries, the polarities.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's... There's, so there's a term, right, sitting on the fence, seeing someone's a fence-sitter, and I spent half of my life really being anti offensiveters i I just like it offended me, had to pick a side, you know, and I don't it's it's like a warrior part of me that likes opposition <laughs> i suppose and And then the other day, so lately I've been having a lot of really bizarre downloads. I'll be watching a show on t v that has nothing to do with anything, and then i'll I'll get this download. And and I started thinking about the world we live in now. And and then I got this download about the fact that the, the 3D world that we're in, one of its core themes is polarity, right? So you don't really know that you've been warm until you've been cold once. Then you, you have a sense of comparison. You yeah, know? you need it. Yes, you, you need that and and that the pendulum will swing as far to the left it, as it has to r- the right so if something is really really high the come down has to be just as low right and and then but we can't tolerate the intensity whether it's pleasure or pain right if something is too good like oh my god there's too much and then it has to swing to the other end and then it's too painful and like oh my god it's too much but if we if it's a little um a little one up and a little one down, it starts to get boring, <laughs> right? We don't know how to hold the gray. Yes,
0: and yeah. we don't know how to to hold either end of the polarity, yeah, it's right? A, it's
1: annoying. It's a mess, right? So, so you're like all white, and you're like, oh, too much white, and then you're all black, you're like, oh, too much black, and you're like, enough, enough, I want gray. Then his grace like, oh crap, this is boring. Then you're like, ooh, white, ooh, black. And and I was like, no wonder nothing gets done <laughs> in this world we live in. Because Yeah, yeah that and, and then this concept was like, and I was like, it's uncomfortable because it's sitting on the fence. And then I got this visual of myself sitting on a fence, a picket fence, right? So obviously it's sharp. And then it was poking my butt. <laughs> it was uncomfortable. So so I feel like we're here to learn to sit on the fence, but not in that negative way we've been talking about it, where we can hold both sides and and be okay with it. Otherwise, we're bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around, nothing gets done.
0: You know, y- you use the term sitting on the fence, mm-hmm. and for me, I relate to that as being a center still point. Yes. And it's from that still point that mm-hmm. we can swing in either direction, mm-hmm. and we're able to hold the intensity without going into overwhelm, yes. and we're able to swing in the other way and drop into deep relaxation mm-hmm. without getting bored or, or falling asleep, that we are training our, our entire system to hold a vast range of energetic, emotional experiences.
1: Yes. I do like the, I know that the sitting on the fence, fence analogy is uncomfortable, but I like it because it is uncomfortable for us now, right? Yes, we, we don't quite exactly. know how to, and, and it's also, we've been taught that it's a bad thing, you know, that you're not brave enough, pick a side commit to something or whatever, like how are you a fence sitter? But 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 I think that's what because we like obviously we're all watching the world and things and we look at this thing with the coronavirus and mask people are like, how dare you not wear masks, don't you care about your loved ones, whatever. And then the non-mask people are saying that you are sheep and everything, you're gonna lose your freedom and whatever. And we don't quite know how to not pick a side. And hold that, okay, this is the choice I'm making for myself and I respect yours. Maybe I understand it, maybe I don't understand it, but I can be comfortable in mine while you hold yours. So we have to be on that fence with that discomfort until it's not uncomfortable anymore.
0: But also the fence is a viewpoint. Yes. You know, Mm. it gives us the opportunity to see the bigger picture. Mm. And I feel right now we we don't know what the bigger picture is but we need time to just observe. Mm. You know, I think even that is uncomfortable. You know, just allowing space to observe before we we formulate an idea or an opinion.
1: Yes. So, I don't think, and, and I mean, I'm speaking for everyone on the planet because I can't. <laughs> I don't think we know how to to be in a space of unknowing, I think we, mm. I think life is safer when you have a point of view. You know, it's not necessarily more effective, it's not necessarily more pleasurable, but it's safer when you have a point of view. Yeah,
0: mm. and as human beings, we crave safety. Yes, you know, this is our primal wiring. Mm. But I, I really. Um, You know, in my trying to understand the human condition, what has really helped me to be more compassionate to myself Mm -hmm. and compassionate to other human beings is understanding how our brains are wired. Mm -hmm. You know, that this is a primal thing. If we understand our primal human wiring, then we have more compassion for our behavior. Have you found that in your exploration of
1: the human condition? You know, I'm... I'm just, I don't know how I got here quite, um, but I find that lately I'm a lot more, and forgiving is not the right word, but I have more capacity and availability to just let everything be okay. Mm. Um my behavior, my fears, my inadequacies, my strengths, and everybody else's. Yes, and yeah, and perhaps that—that's what it is. I didn't really, and I'm—I'm I'm, I'm a thinker, and I think about a lot of things, and I try and figure out a lot of things. But one of the things that, the past couple of years especially, that I've been doing is that. So I've been on a spiritual path, if you want to put it like that, forever, I suppose, and then at some point. I found labels and language for it. And there was a lot of talk about ascension, right? And ascension and ascending up to heaven or whatever. Or something, transcending the Or transcending, body. yes. Yeah. And, and all of it sounded like a going up and out. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, I got this insight that what I need to do is to descend mm-hmm. into my body on one level, and on another level, out of my brain, I'm good at brain stuff, right? It's very, it's very comfortable for me to be in the brain and figure things out. There was also a descension from the brain into my actual body. Where this, Visceral Yes, cells. where the senses, right? Not thoughts, but sensations. And, and I find that if you come down and in then you only have to deal with what's happening in the moment. Yes. And usually 99% of the time, I love making up stats, right? <laughs> 99% of the time, <laughs> who knows? But <laughs> most of the time, that now moment is okay. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I, I think with this one in particular, I skipped right to the end and just, I just go back into myself. Go back into myself and say, what's happening in this moment right now? Mm. And is it something? So the question that I like asking myself is, if they said that this moment you're having right now is the moment you're going to have forever, would it be a bad moment? And most of the time, it's like, no, I'm quite cool yeah. to be here. Yeah. And then everything else stops to matter for a while. Yes.
0: Mm. And that's what I love about the breath, actually.
1: Yes. Because mm. it
0: just in that conscious breath, you can just feel alive you yeah. can come deeply into the moment into your body
1: yes and so what i do with the breath is that i i pick things to breathe in and for since lockdown i suppose i've been really drawn to the sun so i'll i'll sit outside mm. and then i imagine myself breathing in the rays of the sun and and it's it's done something also that's very interesting for me so I lost my dad, I think I was 21, 22, and I never really had a great relationship with him to start with. But I've, I've got this weird relationship now with the sun, because it feels very masculine to me, the sun. And, and so every day, I sit in the sun, and then I breathe it in, and not only through the nose, but literally with all of myself, and I, and I feel very held and protected, so I've got this father now, and he's a giant big father, and he sees me all the time and then and I, and I have these conversations <laughs> with the son like and so I've got this new cosmic dad right so so there's a there's a weird safety in being held in a warmth and a light and a a very fatherly relationship that i've I don't know if I'm making sense. I don't know if I need to make sense, but but it works for me. And then I do that with the earth, mm-hmm. and I get a very different quality from that. Mm-hmm. I do that with rivers. And and so I've learned that w- with you you can breathe in support. You know, you, you, you can breathe in support. And if you you pause your mind and Stop telling yourself that this is not happening, this doesn't make sense. And you just let it happen. You feel it in your body.
0: I think what you're describing is a very profound sense of connection. Yes. You know, the feeling of aliveness through your senses that brings you into the moment, that Mm -hmm. connection with yourself. Mm -hmm. But also you in relation to something that's far bigger. Yes. You in relation to the sun, you in relation to the earth. And, uh, you know, for me, that's what depression is when we disconnect. Depression is a sense of disconnection from from this essence of us, uh, us as part of something greater.
1: Yeah, yeah, I didn't think of that. I think depression is also and I say I think because I haven't been depressed in a really long time um, although in my late teens and early 20s I used to have like serious bouts of depression for months and months on end. So so there's the disconnection part of it from something bigger but, but I, I feel like it's also a a compression right where you think you're smaller than you are mm. so so imagine that this giant spring and you're this really big spring, but you think you're a really tiny spring, so you have to employ all of these forces, usually the mental on your part to to compress yourself so that you're really tiny, and all the energy that that goes into making yourself so small yes and it's heavy and it's contractive and and um I'm a bit scared to say this um, because uh, people say it's not all in the mind. It's a condition or whatever, which it is. But there's also the part where you're disconnected from something bigger, but you're also disconnected to your own bigness. Mm -hmm. Because I I remember that when I did go through um, parts of depression, it's like you focus yourself to like a tiny little point and you're, you're like really, really small, and this is just the one thing that you're seeing or feeling or whatever.
0: And you're locked in that story yes, of who you think yes, you
1: are. Which is really small, and, 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 and all the energy that could be doing other things is going to containing you in that idea.
0: That, yes, that it actually takes energy yes. to keep yourself in this loop yeah. of an idea of smallness mm, mm. and the experience of smallness
1: yeah
0: and so you know when we find ourselves in that space how does one begin to to think about creating a new version of oneself you know Look, I, I think that healing is, is, a, is a process of change, and this mm-hmm. is part of what this podcast is about. For someone who is stuck in this, this neural pathway mm-hmm. of thinking, feeling, behavior that can't see beyond that, mm. w- what do you think would create that unlocking? What is the one thing, or what are the series of things? W- what could people reach out to that would support the catalyzing of a healing process?
1: Sure, that's a big question. <laughs> um, so I'll tell you about now that it, it's come to mind when I was very depressed and the catalytic moment. So this was actually really funny. I, I dreamt that I was in a car accident and I died, right, in the dream and then I woke up and I found out that I wasn't dead. And I was really disappointed. I wasn't suicidal, but I wasn't, I was, I was disappointed that I hadn't died. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so at the time, I had this, now that I think about it, I don't know why it was weird. I had this agreement with my mom. I lived in Midrand. My mom lives in the South. And there was this guy who did her, her gardening. And he lived in the West Rand. So I'd go and pick up this guy from the north, from the West Rand, take him to my mom's house, and then later on do the whole thing in reverse. His name was Daik, So I, I, I took Daik to my mom's house. And then when I got him back to take him back, we were in an almost car accident. This um, 18-wheeler came out of literally nowhere. And it was, it was about to, to drive into my car. And in that moment, I remember, I don't know if I said this out loud or just in my mind, and I said, I don't want to die. And then after I said that, there was like the slow motion thing happening. The whole thing slowed down a lot. And there was this voice that started telling me what to do because it had been raining and the the road was really slick. And I think um, there was construction of some sort. So the sides of the road were dug up. So there wasn't a lot I could do to maneuver to get away from this truck. And then this voice came on, and it told me what to do, do this, do that. And a lot of the instructions that it was giving me were counterintuitive. But I followed them, and we managed not to get killed, in this whole thing with Daik. And after I dropped him off, it only dawned on me at that time that, okay, in the morning, I dreamt that I was in a car accident and I died. Now I was almost in a accident, and then I said, "I don't want to die," and and I realized very, it became clear to me that I invoked that voice, whatever it was, when I declared that I don't want to die, and then so I started having a conversation with with my imaginary driving instructor, <laughs> for want of a better word. I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I fine, <love>
0: that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I I see what happened here, but." not being dead is not good enough for me. You know, I still don't know how to do life. I don't like it. It's confusing. It's hard.
0: I need to test this again.
1: No, (laughs) no, 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 no. I wasn't about to test that again. But I was like, I I don't know how to do life and I need to know how to do life because just being alive is not enough for me. And and then a couple of days later, I came across a book by Diana Cooper, I think, called um, A Little Light on Spiritual Laws. And I remember I laughed because it was so literal because I said, I don't know how life works. I don't know how to do life. And it's like, oh, here, have a book. <laughs> you know, it tells you exactly how life works. So, the, so I think what I'm saying with that stream was that, first of all, you, you need to find enough of a wanting because I, I suppose there was a part of me that, that brought that test. Like pick a, you know, do you want to be here? Or don't you want to be here, right? Mm. It wasn't easy after that point but but there was something that forced me to make the choice. It was an eighteen wheeler, <laughs> but there was something that said, okay, mm. which path do you want to take?
0: It was a choice point. Yes. It was exactly. a crossroads. Yes. Where you made a U turn, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and I find that um we lose a lot of energy in, in decision. And often when I coach people and they're trying to decide, should I stay or should I go? Should I do this? Should I do that? I'm like, just pick one. It doesn't matter which one you pick. Mm. And it's going to work out or it's not going to work out. But then you can respond from that point. But when you're sitting here in the middle and, and fighting with yourself, you know the worst fights you can have are the ones that you have to fight with yourself. So I think, one, you want to make the decision you know, of what am I going to do? And sometimes even if what you decide is that I'm going to be miserable for a little longer, mm. but you can throw yourself into it. But it's a conscious choice. Yes, yes. You, you can now immerse yourself into it until you're done with it. Exactly. But when you keep on judging yourself and being neither here nor there, that, that drains you even more.
0: Because sometimes it's necessary to actually go there. Yes, fully. Into yes. the darkness. Yes. You know, to give yourself full permission to surrender to the darkness mm. because it's in that space that you're allowing something else to emerge.
1: Yes, yes. I, I, I offended a client of mine. She never came back. Um, she said <laughs> to me that she was going... She feels like she was gonna have a nervous breakdown. I'm like, you should. (laughs) It's like awesome. Just lose your shit, you know. And and it's going to be amazing. And don't 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 hang on. Don't try to stop it. This this is uncomfortable. Just go all in. And when you get to the end, stop. The second thing that um that's worked for me when it comes to getting out of heavy places where you're stuck is to just ask for the next step, you know. And the next step is is not the same step for everyone. Perhaps it's go to a doctor, get a script. Perhaps it's learn to do breath work. Perhaps it's spend more time out in nature. Perhaps it's stop eating rubbish. I don't know what it is for you. But if you sincerely ask for just the next step and you open up, Things come up in very amazing ways. It might be a song it's, or you open a magazine and the article is about a person who can do this thing that's going to help you. Because we we often want to know the, the whole path and it doesn't quite work like that. So you just need to to ask like and the thing is when you chunk it out, if it's just the one step, you can deal with it. Because it's it's also the same with with the feelings. So um, when you have a very, maybe you have a lot of shame, right? And you want to be in a place where you're joyful and you're proud and you're happy to be alive. It's so far off. So maybe you just want to move out of shame and the next step is to be angry. Mm. It's, it's a closer mm. place. And it's know?
0: difficult for people to, to really, really feel anger and take responsibility yes, yes. for the pain and the sadness underneath it. Yeah.
1: anger. And but but it's a closer step than trying to be joyful, right? And excited. So so exactly. it's literally about how do you eat an elephant, one step at a time. So okay, so this heavy emotion that I'm having, which other emotion is slightly more empowering, mm. and then go for that. And maybe for a couple of days you're throwing tantrums, and you're angry or whatever. And then from the anger, it's like, okay, what can I do now? Maybe I can be vengeful. And people will judge you for that. But it has more a bit more power mm. in it mm. than sitting in your bed, not coming out. Yeah, you know, so it's my mother's fault, blah, blah, blah. And Then from being vengeful, what can I do now? Just literally climb your way up the ladder.
0: And every time one can really feel and express that emotion, there's a liberation, there's a freedom, yes. there's an expansion mm. in that process.
1: The trick is to just get one that's a couple of steps higher, that just feels more empowering, mm. Mm. I love that. I I do clearing work, um, uh, energetic clearing on people with trapped emotions. And I've discovered that we've got this interesting relationship with emotions. So we're terrified of negative, so-called negative emotions, because we think you're always going to feel like that. I'm not going to let myself be angry because what if it's a blind rage and I break everything and everyone... What if I let myself cry and I'm going to cry for years and years and it's not going to stop? You feel like this bad feeling, if I let it in, is going to be me forever. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, we're scared of joyous, light emotions because what if I get used to it and it doesn't last? Right. Right? Like, so I'm not going to do the heavy emotions because they're going to last forever. And I'm going to do the light ones because what if they don't last? Right, And I'm like, they're all emotions. And it's energy. Pick, it goes. Yeah, it yeah. comes and it goes. Pick <laughs> what you want to believe. <laughs> Either they last forever yeah. or yeah. they don't. And I, and I think going back to that black, white, and gray thing is that when you go all the way into the white, part of reveling in it is understanding that it's going to go away. And going all the way into the black, part of immersing yourself in it and not fighting it is understanding that it's going to go away.
0: Wow, so you know, I think that we have explored so many fascinating aspects of what healing means mm-hmm. today. Uh, I think we may have left people feeling far more confused.
1: Yes, that's fun, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, so that's wonderful because it invites an exploration, and and so you support people in their exploration within. Uh, where can people find you? You have so many resources, um, books, uh, blogs, your Goddess Academy. Yes. Where can people find you?
1: So um, the best place to find me is probably on Facebook. I've got a group called the Goddess Academy Group. So I put down my website for now. It's thegoddessacademy.co.za. So if you go there, you'll just find a a form to fill in for a mailing list. And I did this because I, it was old and outdated and didn't reflect what I was doing. But then I changed so much in between that I kept on changing the brief <laughs> to the, the person who's doing the website. i like, no, wait, that's not what I do. No, wait, that's not what I do. So that's a bit hard for me now. But the Goddess Academy group on Facebook, if you're not on Facebook, my my healing coaching email address, which is also kahiso at a and then from there, I'll help you navigate. It's it's, it's weird because often when I have these conversations, it sounds like I'm really hard to find. Like for someone who mm. does, why are you hiding or whatever?
0: And for her, but who it, has a previous uh, background in marketing.
1: I know, right? Yeah. But but it's <laughs> weird. Um, it's I, I keep on saying it's weird. It's not weird. It's just um, magical that I, I actually do energy... Um, I do energy marketing, (laughs) if, if that makes sense. I focus on my medicine. We all have medicine. That's the thing we're here to give to everybody else. I focus on my medicine. I imagine the world. I project my medicine out into the world. And then I say, anybody who needs this medicine, whether they know it or not, now we have an energetic connection. You can find me. I can find you. And I'm fully booked without doing all the right things. So... That's a little magic trick you can try. I
0: love that, and I think that's the best message to wrap up today's conversation with. thank you so much. I think we're going to have to do this again.
1: Yes, let's do that.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening to Threads of Healing, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ila Manga. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and feel free to leave a review and tell us what you think. If you have found this podcast inspiring and useful, and you know someone who would too, please feel free to pass this along.